Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Very, very warm welcome to you. It's Thursday afternoon, that time of the year. I should say that time of the week, but it is also that time of the year. Don't, don't you feel that that's it? We've reached the end of the year. Somebody told me that the year progresses kind of like the toilet roll. You know, right at the end, it seems to go a lot quicker. Well, that's, that's how it is. It's that time of the year. Things are uh, winding down. Things are People are moving into holiday mode or scrambling to finish everything off before the end of the year. On the one hand, on the other hand, I suppose, for us, we're headed into a, a very, very beautiful time of the year with the holiday of Hanukkah, not so far off. And this year, it's right at the beginning of the school holidays, which means that we can actually still get to celebrate within our uh, communities, which is quite nice. So that's something to look forward to. Speaking of things to look forward to, it's also Chai FM's birthday. It's quite something to imagine. Quite a thing. Um, nine years on the airwaves here at Chai FM. That's, that's an incredible achievement when you think about how many people believed this would never, ever take off. So big shout out to Kathy and all the people who are part of the team. But uh, I remember those days when this was very much a pipe dream and people did not believe that it was actually going to take off. And here we are, uh, literally nine years down the line. It's quite quite exceptional. I remember the very, very first trial run broadcasts before we even went live. We weren't even on air down in the SABC dungeons. Some some studios that I don't think anybody even knows exist. So that's where we were and here's where we are today. And you're obviously part of that journey and you're part of that experience. So maybe let's play a little bit of, uh, let's have some fun while we're about it. It's not my topic for today, but I would be keen to hear your thoughts just something throw something out about your experience your memories your thoughts about high fm over the last nine years anything anything at all that uh, would attract our attention anything that would be uh, exciting anything that you think is a worthwhile memory to share so send us a whatsapp on 0618951010 19. Got that? 0618951019. That's a new WhatsApp number, by the way. So if you don't have it stored yet in your phone, now would be the time to do it. Put it into your phone. Nine years of memories. I'd love to hear yours. What, uh, maybe what was your favorite Thursday afternoon fresh thinking show? Let's, let's uh, think about that as well. That could be part of the conversation that we could have today. But uh, on a more serious note, and I, I really would love to have your input on a more serious note, though. I'd love to hear what you think about the following. See, there is the study schedule, all kinds of study schedules that people follow. I heard of Akivman earlier speaking about the Tanya, which is an annual study program. So you go through on a daily basis and you complete the book of Tanya within a year. Uh, and then there is the Dafyomi, where you complete the Talmud in the course of seven years. So there's another study schedule, which is to take the Mishnah Torah, which is the Rambam's Encyclopedia, Maimonides' Encyclopedic Work of Jewish Law, 14 volumes. And if you study three chapters a day, as many of us do, you finish all 14 volumes within a year. So today's portion had a very interesting paragraph in it. Uh, And perhaps I should actually call up the original text and read to you from the original text because it's really interesting. And uh, it's, it's interesting, firstly, in the context of where 
the Rambam writes this particular law. It's in the laws of uh, the festival of Sukkot, the, which of course is a very festive time of the year. And he talks there about the fact that there is a requirement on the uh, festival of Sukkot. There's a requirement for um, extra celebration and how you're supposed to uh, there were all kinds of laws actually It's very interesting There were laws about how you could celebrate And it was kind of reserved only for the uh, great scholars They were the people who were supposed to be the ones to celebrate But then he tells us a principle About how a Jew is supposed to live And it's that principle that I'd like to share with you And I'm very, very curious to hear what it is That you think about this principle Not just as an ideal I think it's a wonderful ideal And everybody will applaud it And say it's a great thing question is, so what do you actually do about it? How do you actually apply this particular principle in your life? So here's the wording. As I said, I'm going to give you the the wording of uh, what the Rambam says, and then I'd like to hear your thoughts. So he writes as follows, the happiness with which a person should rejoice in the fulfillment of the mitzvahs and the love of God who commanded them is a great service. In other words, what he is saying is that to be joyous in the performance of Judaism is in fact part of how you serve God. So it's not just a nice to have or something which informs the nature of the particular commandment that you're fulfilling, but it's actually something that is very much part of how you serve God. Now, here's the point that he says. You ready? Listen to this. Whoever holds himself back from this rejoicing is worthy of retribution. And he quotes a verse in the Torah which says, because you did not serve God your Lord with happiness and a glad heart. In other words, and he goes on to, to speak of further detail about it, but, that, but that's really the part that I wanted to discuss with you because essentially what Maimonides is saying is, is that you have to make that choice to be joyous in your observance, to be joyous in your service of God. And the truth is when you analyze that just a little bit closely, you could pretty much say that your service of God is what you do all the time. It's not only when you're in shul or when you are formally performing the, the mitzvahs of the Torah, but it's actually something that a person could be doing all the time. And then he says, if you hold yourself back, if you don't allow yourself to have that joy, then that is something which is punishable. And I think a lot of people would have a difficult time with that because it's not easy to be on your A game all the time. There are things that happen in our lives that are hard. There is news that we hear, which is anxiety provoking. There are circumstances where we feel that life has tumbled out of control. There are all kinds of situations where a person may very well feel, well, joy is simply not appropriate right now. And here the Torah seems to, well, certainly the perspective that the Rambam is giving us, and it's not unique to the Rambam, you'll see it in various Jewish texts. It's almost as if there's some kind of an on switch. And you're supposed to just be able to get into the groove and be in good spirits and be joyous if not all day long, even though there's that concept as well, it's brought in the Shulchan Aruch and the Code of Jewish Law. At the end of the first of the four sections of the Shulchan Aruch, it talks about the fact that one should always be in good spirits. But certainly, without question, we know that it is a requirement about uh, for a Jewish person to always be in uh, serve to always serve God with joy. So, what if what if you're having a hard time? What if if life has thrown you lemons? What if you're under stress? What if you've got God forbid financial distress? Stress. What if a person has health challenges? I mean, there really are so many things that a person 
could uh, could have in their lives, which just makes it so difficult or apparently difficult to be joyous. So how do you do this? How do you switch on the happiness? How do you allow Simcha to flow, especially at those times that it does not necessarily feel as if it's something which you want to do or something that you even can do and I, I'm pretty sure that the people who have had this experience—I don't mean people have had experience of stress and anxiety or difficulty because that we've all had—but I'm pretty sure that there are people, some of you listening, who have worked out a method that actually helps where you can switch. You can switch channels from being down and being negative and being pessimistic or anxious or stressed or depressed and switch to a different mode where you're upbeat and you're optimistic and you have joie de vivre. So it would be really, really interesting for people to hear from your experience what exactly does it take to get into that mindset of simcha. I think it's hard to imagine that the Torah makes an expectation of us feel happy. How do you tell somebody how to feel? But if there are techniques that a person could use and techniques that you could possibly share with us, well, that could be extremely helpful for somebody else. So what do you think? What do you, what do you say? What's, what's the way to crank yourself up to, to feel upbeat, uh, not to be taken down by the doom and gloom of the news or things going on in your life, personal things, global things. So WhatsApp number, new WhatsApp number that you could use to send in your thoughts on 0618951019. could tweet. I know that there are always people uh, from the Fresh Thinking crowd who love to tweet, and especially now that you get double the amount, 280 characters. So tweet at Chai FM, or you could tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. What is the secret of switching on joy? Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So it is, uh, as I mentioned, coming up for the ninth birthday of Chai FM. So while we're talking about a more serious topic, I'm also inviting some more lighthearted insights. Your favorite memories of nine years of Chai FM or your favorite show that we had here on Fresh Thinking or anything at all about the station that you would like to share. Uh, I definitely would welcome that. I didn't mention the SMS line earlier because I thought perhaps it wasn't working, but it is working. So you are welcome to SMS on 34519. Remember to add the new WhatsApp number to your phone, 0618951019. And as the messages are starting to flow, as they always do on Twitter, join that conversation at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish if you just want to message me personally. So the question I was asking is, so how do you get yourself into a positive groove when there's so much negativity? I mean, sometimes I wonder if we just do ourselves a disservice by trying to follow the news. Why? Why do we need to know all those horrible things that are happening if they're not things that directly affect us? Or they land up directly affecting us because they land up stressing us and depressing us, but they don't necessarily interfere or impact on our lives. So my question is, what does it take to keep your chin up? What does it take to remain basimcha? The Torah expects us that when we serve God, we should do so joyously. The Torah also expects that we're serving God all through the day, not only when we're doing formal Jewish activities. So that implies that we're generally supposed to be in a good headspace. How? How do you do that? Uh, Jared says, L'chaim, one word, L'chaim. And it worries me when, when people say that because if you require something like a L'chaim to get you to be besimcha, well, then there's two questions. A, what happens when it wears off? 
B, who says that that is true simcha? Surely that's some kind of external influence that doesn't tell us anything about who you are or what your emotional state is. So it's an escape. And I don't believe that an escape is equated or can be equated with simcha. Now, simcha is quite an important thing. We're told there's there's an absolute fortune of literature in Judaism about how important that optimism is and how it impacts our reality. The Zohar famously says that the face we show, meaning to say if we show a happy or a sad face, is the same face that heaven shows to us. That's a really powerful insight because that implies that if we're in a positive space and if we keep our chin up and if we are besimcha, then good things flow from that. Whereas if we're grumpy or distressed or down, then that kind of blocks good things from happening, which is quite a, a scary thought. And and to be perfectly honest, one of the reasons that this has been on my mind is just simply because the last few weeks, I, I kind of had a grapple with this in my own life. How do you remain Basimcha, how do you keep your focus? How can you be positive when there are really challenging, difficult things happening in your life? It's all very well on paper. It's great when you read a book and the book says that uh, Simcha breeds blessing or if you show God that you are happy despite your challenges, then he helps you to overcome your challenges. It's all very well as long as those challenges are theoretical. But once they actually manifest in a person's life, then it's not so simple to keep that optimism. And as I say, it's something that uh, over the last few weeks, I've kind of had to try and get my own head around because uh, many, many times I've shared insights, spoken to people, given classes on the subject. But it's a whole different ballgame when you have to try and apply it in real life. And sometimes it's easier to apply it in the short term. So let's say a person has an acute but short challenge and maybe you can keep your focus once a challenge becomes a little more a little bit more prolonged and it doesn't just resolve itself then it becomes more difficult to find those resources and <clears throat> to keep to keep that focus and to keep that joy in your life especially when everything rational tells you that this is not a time for joy so it's it's a real issue and it's a difficult one to to confront and it's an important one also to come to terms with and that's why i'm asking your views or your insights um what would you say is the secret or maybe there's no single secret maybe there's a whole lot of things that um that a person has to work on or that a person has to get their head around in order to be in a, in a state of simcha. So here's an, here's an interesting one. You see, when people say these things, I always wonder what they mean. So here's a message from Josh who says, mindset and positive thinking, even in a negative space. So that's, to me, that's wonderful, but too general. What does that actually mean? So mindset and positive thinking, even when things are negative. Great. How? How do you do that? How do you cause yourself to think positively? What happens when a person is confronting some kind of, let's say, a medical issue and the medical professionals say, this is the diagnosis, this is the prognosis. So it's all very well for a person to say, have a good mindset and think positively. But where? Where do you draw the positivity from? Is it just like some kind of airy-fairy, let's be positive, everybody clap your hands, open your eyes, and, and expect that tomorrow is going to be better? Or is there something more substantial that a person can work with? Because, yes, positivity, 
very powerful, very important, changes realities. But sometimes a person doesn't know where to get that positivity from. I know that in the last few days, and it's, uh, I think it's fair to talk about it. I think it's safe to talk about it now. The last few days in the greater Sandton area, nobody's had water. And you see how frustrated people get. You know, in the beginning, you think, okay, listen, there was a pipe burst. How long will it take? It will take four to six hours, and they'll resolve it. And, and you can be optimistic, and you remain positive. Things are going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We have enough water in our uh, whatever it is, uh, Aquasania machine or whatever it is that you have, your swimming pool, and, and we'll get through this. And then by the next day, 24 hours later, not only do you not have water, but you don't have an ETA of when you'll have water. And then you find that people are not able to keep, uh, to keep that positivity. You find that suddenly there's a lot more frustration and stress and negativity coming out and almost despondence. Now, the reality is that running water is something you could pretty much expect that at some point it's going to come back, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like it at the time. It feels like, well, you'll never have water again. But the, the chances are, if you think about it rationally, that, that things will come back. So you can maybe drudge up some, uh, some, some uh, positivity around that. But there are other things in life that are a little bit more overwhelming. A person who's stuck in a dead-end relationship, a person who is, uh, uh, can't find employment, a person who is in financial distress – there are so many real life issues that kind of beat a person down. Where where do you find so yes, positive thinking and mindset, I think that's very nice. How? How do you find that positivity? A uh, similar thing over here. So so uh, Rene says, I would say I'm joyous even in the face of adversity. Well, that's great, but I, w- I want to know how. What's your secret? Tell it. Share it. How, how is somebody else supposed to learn from that? Sometimes it's the most bugging thing in the world when a person is going through a challenge and they have to try and keep their they, – they're trying to find their positivity and they're just really not doing well. And then in comes the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed person who says, yes, I'm positive. Everything's going to be great. And you, you're like, I don't want to hear that right now. I want to hear somebody who's going to commiserate with me. I want to hear somebody who's going to feel what I'm feeling is going to empathize. So it's not necessarily so simple. Where the Torah says that we are supposed to be in positive spirits under all circumstances, where and how do we find the wherewithal to do that? I'd love to hear your thoughts and your experiences. I'm sure there are people here listening today who have had real life experiences where they're browbeaten, but they still manage to find a way to keep their simcha. So what's your particular take on that one? Three four five one nine to send a message by SMS or WhatsApp on 61895 Five ten nineteen, or tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. So the countdown to Black Friday has begun at Kitchenique. Get your hands on your kitchen must-haves from Maxwell and Williams, Umbra, Lou Harvey, Caramia, Eatright, Noritake, Arctic White, and much, much more. All less thirty percent. Plus, the first ten shoppers to spend two hundred and fifty rand or more receive a free wonky wear gift. Make sure you have your shopping list and running shoes sorted so you don't waste time. Kitchenique is opening at 8 a.m. for an extra hour of shopping this Black Friday. I find it fascinating that Black Friday has finally, finally come to South Africa in a meaningful way. I mean, for those of us who've been in the United States at this time of the year, it's absolute mayhem and madness. I mean, to the point that people actually injure themselves uh, in the rush to try and get the Black Friday specials. But uh, here it is. It seems to have hit our shores. Let's hope that there are some really good specials out there. That would be nice. So, yeah, maybe that that's what people will 
uh, will find is their source of happiness is cracking a really good sale. What's yours? What's your secret to happiness, to optimism? How do you feel that it's possible for the Torah to make the demand of us that we should always be besimcha, that we should always be, it's not just happy, by the way, simcha is joy. Simcha is is more than happiness. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. Uh, two people saying very similar things over here. Uh, one is uh, Shalom and the other is Warren, both saying similar things, that happiness is the result of simplicity. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that. You know, in our lives today, we, we have so many expectations. We have so many gadgets and label uh, brand label items that we need to have or we feel that we need to have there's a lot of unhappiness a lot of ill uh, discontent i suppose we can call it from people you know everybody's looking and what does everybody else have and do i need to have those things as well so perhaps simplify is a good suggestion if you want to have simcha in your life simplify your life and and that is certainly in the financial sphere and in the stresses around social interactions that would be tremendously helpful i don't think it necessarily helps for every situation so again let's say that you're dealing with a medical issue let's say that you live in an environment where you believe that the the government is corrupt so simplifying your life does not necessarily help in that particular situation Right, there's nothing more basic that a person needs than health. So, how to simplify health? I get it 100% that when it comes to any financial or social, certainly uh, competitive social issue, then yes, simplifying is going to help you. But I don't see how does it work when it says be joyous in doing a mitzvah? How does it help to simplify? How does that help me to be joyous? I also think we confuse the issues over here. There's a difference between happiness, which implies perhaps contentment, and simcha, which implies joy. Joy is is passionate. It's not just I'm okay, everything's fine. Joy is very motivated. It's very energized. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how do you get simcha, not just how do you stay happy. And I think there is a big difference. WhatsApp over here from Devorah says, I'm going through a challenge at the moment. I had a wobble and gave in to fear. I then stepped back from my emotions and realized that this was just a cycle to challenge what I have learned over the last two years, i.e., lesson is to be in the now. Look at the blessings of this moment and remember how God kept you in mind in other crises. That's real. See, this is this is somebody talking here from experience. And the minute you say that you've had a wobble, that's that's an honest statement. And I really believe very strongly that you have to be able to acknowledge. You have to be able to have that wobble and you have to be able to acknowledge that you've had the wobble. I don't think that the Torah expects us to be angelic. I don't think the Torah expects that we're going to get 10 out of 10. I don't think we should expect it of ourselves. That is part of the reality of life is that we have these wobbles, particularly in an unexpected crisis. And I'll tell you just something that I experienced again recently is that you might feel in the face of a challenge that you actually have the wherewithal to remain positive and to overcome this. And then the same challenge presents again. But this time, you have the expectation that it will resolve in the same way as it did the previous time. So in in this particular case, so we had a challenge last year and it resolved relatively quickly. And then the same challenge happened again recently and did not resolve nearly as quickly or as easily. And suddenly all that optimism and positivity that we had last time, which was enough to get us through the, the few days, just didn't seem to have enough 
koyach enough energy to get us through this time around. So yes, Devorah, I think that's a very uh, good insight and a very important thing for people to know that uh, you can have a wobble and give in to fear, but then you've got to kind of realign, step back. I like what you said, uh, be in the now rather than uh, the anxiety of what's going to be. That's uh, a big source of dis-ease is our anxiety of what's going to be. Uh, Francois sent an SMS, says, uh, fill your mind with good, loving, blessings, uh, blessing thoughts, uplifting. Yes, it's not always so easy to do. It's definitely good advice. So fill your mind with optimism. Fill your mind with the positive. Think about the good and the positive and the warm and the uplifting feelings. That really, really does help. Sometimes, I think we have to acknowledge that sometimes it does not feel that that's possible. Sometimes the the thoughts of fear are so overwhelming. Um, sometimes there is a certain panic that sets in that is so real that, yes, it might be temporary. And when I say temporary, I don't necessarily mean five minutes. It could be a number of days. But in that moment, it's not necessarily always so easy to fill your mind with those positive and good thoughts. It's definitely a great method when you can focus your mind. You know, when a person is under terrible distress – Often they're unable to focus their minds. Often they feel flooded. And in that situation, I'm not quite sure that it always helps to use the mind. Ironically, even though generally speaking, one of the big teachings in Judaism is that the mind has the power to control our emotions. But there are times where we actually need something different to the technique of the mind because the mind is actually breaking down it's not servicing us it's flooded it's not thinking person who's in a crisis will be able to tell you that uh, you know people ask, ask them how can i help and of course they mean really well but the person in the crisis can't even think of what it is that they need to be helped with so in that time it's not so easy to fill the mind with positivity and in fact when a person sits in your face and tells you positive things you might not even be able to hear it so sometimes that actually isn't even what we can muster up. Lauren says here also by SMS, I plaster a smile on my face until my brain gets the message that there is reason to be happy. I read that, apply, I read that, apply it because it works. I'm assuming I read that meaning you came across it in a book somewhere. Apply it because it works. Now, that, that's brilliant because uh, Lauren's SMS came straight after Francois's SMS. And they work in tandem because Francois is talking about a situation where you can muster up enough focus in your head to get the right thoughts into your head. And that's our first port of call. We have to do that. We have to think about positive thoughts and not just like warm fuzzies. Real positive thoughts, like, for example, the reminder of the fact that we are not in control of these things, but that's not disastrous because our belief is that God is in control and he steers the ship a lot better than we do. So that would be the kind of positive thinking that a person should focus on. We wake up every single morning and we say, Modani, thank you, God, for the fact that I'm here again today. That should become the guiding thought process for the whole day, meaning to say, I'm not here because of me. It's not because of anything I did right. It's because of God's mercy, and God's mercy will, will, will cover me and protect me and carry me through even those really, really difficult times in life. But Lauren says an interesting thing. Lauren says, sometimes you just got to plaster the smile on your face until your brain gets it. I love that. I love the way you say, until my brain gets the message. Um, <laughs> because, yes, completely, completely agree with that. Sometimes what you've got to do is mechanical. It's almost like those old vintage cars that you used to have to crank up from the, you know, from the front. You know what I'm talking about? Where they had the crankshaft in the front and you turned it and eventually the car came to life. Sometimes that's actually what has to happen 
is we need to be able to crank up mechanically the components in our system that allow Simcha to happen. And I want to share something about that in a moment. I'm going to come back to that, Lauren, because I think that that's really uh, something that resonates very strongly with me. Another anonymous SMS says there's a book called Living Simcha. Don't have the author's name on hand. Ask at Kolel Books. So that could be very helpful for somebody, right? If there's a book, Living Simcha, that teaches you. I'm not familiar with the book, so I can't share the author either. But if there's a book that teaches you methodology of how to have Simcha, that's exceptionally useful. Bearing in mind that quite a lot of the Torah is designed to teach us how to live Simcha. What are your tips? What are your insights? How does a person generate Simcha under ordinary circumstances? And under difficult circumstances, three four five one nine for your SMSs, please. Otherwise, WhatsApp oh six one eight nine five ten nineteen, or you could tweet at Chai FM. You could tweet me directly at Ravashish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from two to three p.m. One hundred one point nine Chai FM, one hundred one point nine megahertz of power. It is 19 minutes to the hour. You are with Rabbi Shishle. If you've just joined me here on Fresh Thinking, talking today about Simcha, about the fact that the Torah believes that we are supposed to always have joy in our lives, specifically when we serve God. My question is, how? How do you do it? Had some really interesting suggestions coming through uh, and, and very honest comments as well about people going through wobbles and having a difficult time that was from Devorah there's another Devorah over here who says focus on all the blessings that you do have and feel really grateful for them that's similar to what Francois said and I do believe that absolutely it's really really imp- important for us and uh, maybe that's part of what uh, there were a couple of people who suggested you have to simplify your life I think that part of that is just to to be conscious of the blessings in our lives but I liked a lot what Lauren said and I want to share something about that about plastering a smile on your face so I've just returned I'm very very privileged for the last number of years to have had the opportunity to travel to New York for the largest rabbinical conference on the planet, which is the Chabad. It's called the Kinus Hashluchim. There's uh, literally thousands of rabbis from a hundred different countries as of this year, 100 countries in the world that Chabad is represented in. And um, everybody gets together and it's a very beautiful, uplifting experience. There are all kinds of workshops and talks and gatherings and fabrengans for those who are familiar with the term. And in this particular instance, so um, to be perfectly honest, to be perfectly honest, the big mega event is over the course of Sunday. So basically it's an early dinner. And in fact, we're very privileged this year to have our own chief rabbi attend the dinner, which is quite something. It's not very often that the chief rabbi of any country gets to to be at this event. So it was really special to have Rabbi Goldstein there with us. And it's this incredibly beautiful representation, not just of the the reach and scope of the Chabad movement, but also the personal stories of individuals and the, the incredible experiences that people have. You know, we just I think we take Judaism a little bit too much for granted here in South Africa. But I digress. So in any event, so there's this mega event, and it's really, really beautiful. And and I just found personally I I couldn't get into it. I couldn't focus my mind. There was stuff going on back at home. And uh, I I, I was kind of itching to get back because uh, we had a bit of a, a medical issue in the family. And I just just couldn't get into the vibe as I normally would have. 
the event ended. It's a, a very, very big pizzazzy kind of an event. The event ended probably about 10 p.m. I imagine that that's about no, that's the earlier. Anyhow, whatever. And we had to head back from New Jersey to New York. Took us close to an hour to get back. And when I arrived back in New York, there's a kind of an after party, although that's a horrible way to describe it. Essentially, what happens is all these people, these rabbis who've been at this event uh, in, a, in a fairly formal setting, go back to the main shul in Crown Heights, which is 770 Eastern Parkway, Lubavitch World Headquarters. And there's a, a very informal gathering that, that then continues thereafter in in what Chabad would call Fabrengen style. So basically that's where people get together, sit around a table, there's a bit of l'chaim to go around, a lot of singing, and it's an opportunity for people to let their hair down and be among their friends. These are leaders of community who most of the time are out there looking after everybody else. And here's the opportunity just to debrief and let things off the chest and share ideas, encourage each other, share inspiration. And I kind of wasn't sure if I was up to it, to be honest. Quite stressed about what was going on back home And Some of the people I was with Decided that it was really They were excited and they wanted to go And they wanted to be part of this So I figured I'll go, you know, join in for a little bit Be part of the action Show my face kind of thing And then head back home and get in touch with the family And see what was going on And if we had any updates from the doctors And what should have been Or could have been A very short visit Landed up being an almost all-nighter and people were crammed into this one particular room. There's, a, there's the main shul, and then there are a couple of smaller shuls and side rooms and whatever. So in the small shul over there, there was this incredible gathering with the chief rabbi of, of Russia. And he was joined by the chief rabbi of Tzfat, the son of Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu. And they were joined by a very, very uh, renowned philanthropist from South America. So it was a really interesting, eclectic mix of people. Everybody was crammed into the room. There was not nearly enough space. Uh, at one point, I was standing literally with one foot on a bench and one foot dangling in the air, you know, just to kind of be part of the, the thing, to be able to stand where I could see what was going on. And the simcha in the room, the, the joy in the room was electric. People were singing these fast-paced Hasidic melodies and dancing on the spot because there was really no space to move and and just really in the zone, if I could say that. And it wasn't it wasn't my emotional state. It wasn't my head space at all, but I crammed in over there. And like that old vintage car that you crank up, or as Lauren said before, sometimes you've got to plaster the smile on your face and the simcha follows. So in this particular case, I was reminded of a story of a follower of one of the Chabad Rebbe's whose son was in very, very difficult medical, in a difficult medical state. And the doctor said, pretty much given up hope on him. And this chassid had gone in a last-ditch resort to the Rebbe to get a blessing for his son. And the Rebbe said, listen, it's too far gone. There's nothing I can do for you. And he was completely, completely devastated and walked out of the audience, slumped down on a chair and was lost, of course, in his own very, very negative thoughts. And around him, the other Hasidim, who had also had the opportunity to have an audience with the Rebbe, were in high spirits because each of them had received the particular bracha that they were looking for or they anticipated going in for an audience. And there was a lot of singing. There was a lot of dancing. And eventually, at some point, they yanked this hapless fellow into the circle of dancers, and they did not let him go until he danced and until he danced as if it was a wedding. And 
it made no sense to him. It made no sense rationally. It made no sense emotionally. But he just he got into the vibe. That's what happens sometimes. And he was eventually so caught up in the singing and the dancing that he lost track of time and place. He lost track of what was going on in his life until somebody tapped him on the shoulder and told him that the Rebbe wanted to see him again. And at that point, he was kind of brought back down to earth and said, oh my gosh, what am I doing over here? He went back into the Rebbe's office and the Rebbe said to him, listen, you have to know that in heaven, they had already decided the fate of your child. But because you were able to escape your natural, rational, and emotional state, and you were able to experience simcha quite mechanically, not because it made sense, not because of any thoughts you had in your head, but simply just because you pushed yourself into a space of simcha, you need to know that that changed the destiny of your child. You need to know that simcha, as the expression goes, breaks through all barriers and you can expect now that miracles will happen. I was reminded of that story and that kind of pushed me to get into the vibe at this particular Fabring. And the next thing we knew, it was literally singing and dancing and uh, an amazing, amazing experience, as I mentioned, that lasted almost uh, until the wee hours in the morning. And I think that that's what the Torah says. The Torah says that simcha is something that a person has to elect to do. You You don't feel happy because good things happen in life because then you're at the mercy of what happens in life simcha is service of god that's what the rambam said simcha is service of god just like you get up in the morning the tefillin don't wrap themselves around your arm it's something that you have to do in the same way simcha is not something that happens to you because of the environment or your circumstances it's something that you have to do and it's not easy it's often not easy that's why it's called service of god because the things that we do that are meaningful are not necessarily easy and not necessarily rational. don't know if you have an insight on that, but if you do, I'd love to hear it. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So, what I, once, uh, I think I've quoted this here once before. I saw somebody say that... Uh, what did he say? Joy is a serious business. Happiness, that's what he said. Happiness is a serious business. See, the thing is this. There, there are different kinds of happiness and different kinds of joy that Judaism identifies. There's the kind of joy that is natural. So life is good. Obviously, I'm happy. There's the kind of joy that a person works at by thinking positive thoughts and acknowledging that Hashem is in control and Believing that things will get better, that's, that's another kind of joy. That's already something that requires effort, and that's part of the mitzvah. The mitzvah that the Rambam, as I mentioned right at the beginning of the show, describes that it is service of God to be joyous. And then there is a completely different element of simcha. It's probably the hardest kind of simcha for a person to experience. It's also the most powerful. And that is when a person has simcha in a completely super rational way. That means to say, I don't feel like it. My emotional state is a wreck. I don't understand how I should be besimcha because my mind is too clouded. It's too caught up and focused and overwhelmed by the deluge of uh, whatever I'm experiencing at the moment. So I don't know where to find the simcha from. So therefore, what do I do? I just go through the motions. 
I just push myself to behave as if I am besimcha. It's a funny thing about the human condition, but you can actually generate simcha from the outside in. It's not the best way to do it on an ongoing basis. Generally speaking, simcha should be from the inside out. A person should have a very strong sense of confidence, a strong sense of optimism, and from that exude simcha into their life. But there are times where it is not only possible, but it's advisable for a person to work on simcha from the outside in, to literally, I don't want to use the expression fake it until you make it, because that, that's quite a negative way of saying it, because it's not fake. That's the thing. If you look at children, children are naturally joyous. So that is our natural state. That's how we started off. And then we got confused and distracted by all the disappointments in life and all the cynicism that society has taught us. But actually, when we crank up the simcha inside of ourselves, that's really an expression of our soul. Because if you think that a child is naturally joyous, your soul is certainly naturally joyous. We just tend, unfortunately, to, to distract ourselves from our soul. We distract ourselves with our thoughts, we distract ourselves with our feelings, but if we allow the soul to shine through, if we allow ourselves to push ourselves outside of what makes sense, outside of what feels right, into a place of acceptance, into a place of joy is a service of God, then amazing things happen. So I know this is really, really difficult stuff, and we don't get it right all the time. As Deborah said before, we let ourselves down. We have our wobbles, but it's something to consider, and it's something to have in our tool set, in our emergency kit, that when all else fails, just get out there and put the smile on your face or tap your feet into a dance, and the simcha, please God, will spread from there to the rest of you and from you to the rest of your situation and turn things from negative to positive. Please, God, we should all have that brocha in our lives. Till next time, have a wonderful Shabbos and please got a great week ahead.